0: looking for an infusion of joy, you've come to the right place. My name is Deb McGregor and I am so thrilled to be with you today. One of the things that has really been on my heart lately is what it means to struggle with addiction. What does it mean to experience deprivation? What does it mean to experience testing all the time? What does it mean to experience temptation all the time? And during this time of Lent, I think it can be even more profound than ever. Well, of course, you know how it goes. I have to bring someone in to talk about this because I'm so intrigued about the conversation. It is my pleasure to welcome Pastor Jim Maserino from Bemidji Baptist Church to our show today. Welcome, Pastor Jim. Well,
1: thank you, and I, I really am excited to get to be here today and share with you. Um, it's exciting being a Christian, isn't it? It is not
0: it amazing. Well, and it's really exciting that you and I have connected because yes. we actually were at an event together. We connected. And of course, throughout the last few weeks, we've been like, okay, we're going to get this show. We are going to get this show <laughs> done. Totally, yeah. And and what I love about this experience, Pastor Jim, is that you and I both trust the Lord. Yeah. And as I was thinking about this, how rare is it to actually find people who really, really, trust the lord a lot of people give it lip service yeah but we really trust the lord (laughs) and we know he's got something for everyone listening today amen amen and
1: things don't happen by accident
0: no i Uh, i agree a hundred percent and one of the things that i was actually thinking about in trusting the lord and even that overall theme is that when people are struggling with addiction
1: Mm -hmm.
0: trusting the lord is absolutely key right like it's just paramount
1: absolutely in fact we say that's foundational because it, it's not until a person understands how they're truly forgiven and how when you accept what Christ has done for you through his death, burial and resurrection and receive that free gift of eternal life that you're a new creation. You know, I, I think of Isaiah 61 six and, and I uh, listen to this. It says the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. I can't think of anybody more bound, more brokenhearted, more captive than a person who's an addictive person.
0: Amen. As you're just saying, I mean, I could just feel it. Like I could literally like feel the spirit moving in this because one of the things you and I have talked about with people who are experiencing addiction is it's like chains. It literally is like, chain. we got to break the chains.
1: That's what it's. A, you know what? I love the Bible uses a word strongholds in second yes. Corinthians. And it doesn't that really describe what an addiction is. It's got a stronghold. Yes. And you know, a person can try through self-help and self-effort and and they mean well, and and all these different approaches. But like we tell people, if you do what you've always done, you're going to be what you've always been. Something has to change inside. You can't just repackage the outside. And that's what God's all about. And see, this is what Jesus said when yes. he came here, right? He quoted Ugh. from Isaiah. Well, he
0: wants to transform us.
1: That's right. And free us. Yes.
0: Oh, right? Amen. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. My gosh, there's so much to talk about. But I, I, I just have to pause for a second because... You're sitting here talking to me as Pastor Jim, and we're talking about addiction, and then all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, how did you even become a pastor? How did you get drawn into, because it's not just about being a pastor, it's about the call to actually work within the addiction area as well, because this is a huge call in your church. So let's start with Pastor Jim. Okay. Have, did you always know you wanted to be a pastor?
1: No. Um, actually, it's kind of funny, because I was I was raised Roman Catholic. I grew up in Chicago. And my mom, all the time, I don't know why she singled me out. I was one of six kids. And my mom would always say to me, Jimmy, are you going to ever be a priest? Jimmy, you should be a priest and things. I'm like, no, no way, Mom, no. I hung around with the priests. I went out on calls with them and all of that. But then when I was 18 years of age, I went to a church that my cousins were attended, and there was a difference with them. They were my age. They were my best friends, but something happened to them. They became Christians. and Well, I was a Christian, but they were different. And so they were having a film at their church one night. It was a Friday night. It was called A Thief in the Night. I don't know if you're familiar with The Thief in the Night. It's about the rapture. Anyway, so I went to this thing, and uh, it was very interesting. It's about the rapture and going through the tribulation period and things and how important it is to accept Jesus now. Afterward, a minister got up there and shared the plan of salvation, how you could be certain of going to heaven when you die. Well, I never heard it like that before. Again, I always believed in Jesus, but I never understood what he did for me, and I never had made a decision of my own to place my faith, to, to not trust in my goodness, but to trust in the merits of Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. That's the gospel. Yeah, amen. And when I understood that, I, I still struggled. And God was... He was working on me. I mean, you know how the Holy Spirit works. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you know, the moment you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in you. Yes. And so he wasn't leaving me alone. Well, I didn't understand any of that because I hadn't been discipled or anything. I didn't want to be. I was still a rebel, but I knew I was a Christian in the sense that I understood John 3, 16. I knew I was born into the family of God. They, I, My cousin shared that much with me, but I still wanted to do it my way. Well, my life was a mess. And I remember many times on my knees in a drunken state saying, God, get me out of this. I'm miserable. And that was the Holy Spirit working on me. And he was convicting me and showing me, Jim, I've got something better for you. And then one day I was invited to a camp up in northern Minnesota. So I'm a Chicago kid, right? So we drive. It seemed like eternity to go because back then the speed limit was 55 miles an hour. So 12 hours to drive up here. Finally, get up here, and it's his camp, this church camp. It's there's mosquitoes everywhere, you know. And I, I mean, uh, my cousin and I were setting up our tent, and he's slapping these mosquitoes on my back that night. I'm looking, I got red dots all over my back from the mosquitoes. So I wound up at that point. God really worked on me at this camp, and there was revival. And I remember thinking, how can I go home and look at my my friends and my family and tell them I love them? And I don't even know how to share Christ with them. I need training. So here I am. I, I, I decided I'm driving back home to, to Chicago, 12 hours, and I'm thinking, I need to go to Bible college. So before I even got home, I swung by this Bible college. I, I, I they, they heard what happened to me at the camp, how I dedicated my life. Now I, I surrender. I want to live for God. And I wound up um, enrolling at this Bible college, and I got plugged in there, and man, I'll tell you what, I was like a sponge. I was asking my, my, my teachers, my professors, all kinds of questions after class. I mean, this was all new to me. I remember I'm going to church. A- every time that the pastor was done with his message, I'm, I'm, I'm up there first, and I'm shaking his hand saying, that's awesome, because it was so alive to me. Yes. I mean, this I never knew the relevancy of the scriptures. Yeah. And so it was so powerful, and I'm so grateful that God saved me after all that I had done. You know, and that's what makes a Christian life so awesome. It's grace. See, this is what makes Christianity so unique. we It's grace. We're not saved by our performance. We're saved by what God has done. It's not, you don't know what God's done, or Lord, you don't know what I've done, so I can't be forgiven. No, 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 that's not it. You need to know what God's done. That's what you need to know. You can be a new creation in Christ. And so, you know, I that's what then when I, I, I planted our church, the Baptist Church, and then uh, we had a guy coming to our church. I loved him to death, but he was struggling. He was an alcoholic, and I thought, how can I help this guy? He was a diamond in the rough. He was a functioning alcoholic, by the way. He had a business, and uh, he was in his 50s, and he confided in me that he had been drinking, and he continued to drink to that day, a fifth of alcohol every day since he was in his teens. Well, he's in his 50s now. He would come to our church, our whole auditorium would reek of alcohol, not because he was drinking that morning, it was from the night before, but he wanted help. And at the same time, we had another guy who was an alcoholic, and he got back into drinking, and it was, it was pressuring his marriage. His wife was frustrated. She had lied to him to cover it up, and that's what people do when they're in an addiction. They lie to cover it up. And so I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, Lord how can I really help these guys? Because they know they need God, but they think the church is going to judge them. So there's this conflict that people have. They want God, but they think the very place that can actually help them is the place that's going to condemn them.
0: Can we just pause on that piece for a moment? Because I think this is one of the biggest places, I don't want to say where Christians fail, But I think a lot of times we get caught up in there's a judgment spiral. Yes. There's a shame spiral. Yes. And I want to address this because it it actually shows up in multiple ways. One of the ways is when people are first starting to get help. Yes. Yes. And some of that is stuff we put on ourselves. You and I are very aware. There are individuals that judge at times. and. I, we, we've got to go there. We have to have this conversation.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and here's here's what I've done. Um, first of all, when we were going to start this program, we're, we're, we're part of a 1,000 chapters throughout the U.S. called Reformers Unanimous. And I, I told our folks, well, first of all, when I wanted to get these guys help, I at the same time, and this is God, I had a friend of mine who started an addictions ministry in his church. And he's telling me, man, and this was in a very affluent suburb of Chicago. And there's people that are very functioning at, uh, addicts, but it's cocaine, a lot of it, in those areas, and it's destroying their families. And so, uh, uh, so this became a huge niche in their community, and they were saying the success that they were having. They they were sharing it with me, so I said, "Do you mind if I come and check it out?" So I drove down to Illinois, I spent a couple days there, checked it out, saw the program actual carrying out, and I'm like. I gotta go back. I gotta tell our folks. So I went back. I said, Hey, I really believe God's leading us to minister to the addicted in our community with the hope of Christ. And I said, but for that to happen, we all as a church have to be on board. Here's what I'm going to ask of you as a church. First of all, we're going to get trained and this, this uh, ministry down in Rockford, based in Rockford, they come and they train you how to work with addicts. How to, how to minister this program that they have developed that's been proven to be effective. And so we wound up doing that. And um, what happened was uh, um, I told our folks, I said, listen, first of all, we have to understand that if we're going to minister to people with addictions, they're going to come here and they're going to be very sensitive for judgment. We have to be real careful. So I'm going to ask two things of you. Number one, I'm going to ask you if you go through this program with us on a Friday night. So you know what we're doing here and how God is ministering to people with addiction. Secondly, I want you to be careful not to be judgmental because here's the bottom line, all sins addictive. And I have yet to see a church that has been destroyed or split over a meth addict or an alcoholic or a druggie or a crackhead, but I've seen it with a gossiper and a backbiter. So how is it we look at these as really bad? But we don't look at this as really bad. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh, you have just hit on something so important that we're going to come back to. Okay. But we got to take a quick break. <laughs> okay. Friends, we are talking with Pastor Jim Massarino. We are talking all about addiction. We're talking about tying this into our Lenten experience. This is Deb from Live Joy, Share Joy. We'll be right back after this pause.
1: Services are made available through Arise Financial Group, a division of Ameriprise Financial Services Inc., a registered investment advisor.
0: This is Deb McGregor of Life Full of Joy and Live Joy, Share Joy. I like to be infused with joy all the time. Every Monday through Friday, I do an Infusion of Joy video on Facebook and Instagram. I cover a topic related to joy and provide insights, perspectives, and distinctions, as well as offer an opportunity for you to continue digging even deeper into your own joy. Make sure you're following me on the Life Full of Joy Facebook page and on Instagram at LiveJoyShareJoy. Are you currently renting your home? Give Team Aylesworth, Noemi, Harry, and Abby of Real Living First Realty a call. Trust them to help guide you through the home buying process. With interest rates as low as they are, now is a good time to take that leap into being a homeowner. The award-winning customer service team is ready to make you their priority. Call Noemi at 218-760-4689 or click the link for Team Aylesworth on the Business Impact Partner page at yourqfm.com. Make owning a home your reality today. This is Deb McGregor of Live Joy, Share Joy. We are visiting with Pastor Jim Mossarino from Bemidji Baptist Church. We're talking all about addiction, how this ties into our Lent experience. And going into the break, Pastor Jim, you were talking about you've never seen a church divided over addiction or drug abuse. You have seen it divided over things like gossip and backstabbing. Yes. This is, I just think this is really an important conversation.
1: Yeah. So what we say is all sin's addicted. The reason why I do that is to get the church in the mindset that let's not be judgmental. let's, Let's show compassion because, you know, Jesus does say, judge not lest ye be judged. And he says, but how can you get the speck that's out of your brother's eye until you get the beam that's in your own eye? He doesn't say don't get the speck out. He says, first, get the beam out of your own eye. And what that does is it humbles you so you're prepared to help another brother. See, see, what happens is when you come at a person who struggles with an addiction through pride, you'll never make any headway. I don't care what spiritual terms you use. The power is in humility. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. We're going to minister to people. We have to have God's grace, too, right? Amen. Just like they need to. How can we point them to the hope of Christ when we're getting them to focus on their failing? We have to show them the hope. See, and that's the thing we have as Christians. We have hope. Yes. And these are people they've tried and they've been in treatment programs and they but nothing fundamentally has changed, you know? And and their identity is with their addiction, you know, I'm an alcoholic or I'm a drug addict or whatever. And the Bible says when you become a Christian, through placing your trust in Jesus Christ and what he has done for you, that you have eternal life. You're a new creation in Christ, and you have a new identity. Yes,
0: your identity is in Jesus Christ. That's it. And once people get that, whether even if it's addiction or anything, I mean, once our identity is in Jesus Christ, everything changes.
1: That's right, because Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if you think you're a druggie or a bum or a crackhead or a loser, guess what? You're going you're gonna to be that way, okay? No, what you have to see is the way God sees you. See, I, I, I'm going to read to you, if you don't mind, scripture. Yeah, please. Okay, First Corinthians six, verses nine through eleven. Here's what Paul wrote to this these Christians. He says, "Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God." And I love this next verse. And such were some of you. Some of you were drug addicts. Some of you were alcoholics. Some of you were thieves. Some of you were adulterers, you know, but you are washed. You're clean now. You are sanctified. That is is, you're set apart unto God. You belong to him. You are justified. God's declared you righteous in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. See, and that's what we want to, see, there's hope, right? There's hope. and, And you know what the other word that comes up for me actually is there's a peace about it. Yes. There's like, it's almost like as you read that, I just feel this wash of peace go over my body. Like, it's going to be okay. Yes. And that we know that that hope is in Jesus Christ. Our identity right. is in him. And there's almost this, like, a peace that comes from that hope. Right. And it, so, it releases the burden almost.
1: It does release the burden. And that's the thing. It Literally, sometimes people talk about how a weight's lifted off of them. I love what King David says in Psalms 51 and also Psalms 34. He talks about when he had sinned with Bathsheba and, and then covered up, the, the, the sin, or tried to, by murdering her husband, Uriah. He talks about in the Psalms how how his body even ate. It affected him physically until he confessed his sin. And it was like that burden. But, you know, his, he says, all day long, your hand was heavy upon me. You know, and that's what happens with people with this addiction, and they don't even know it, just like I didn't know it before I became a Christian. I knew something wasn't right, and I knew I needed God, but I didn't know how to go about it. And see, this is what the, the beauty of the body of Christ. This is our role. We have to reach people with this true message of hope. I mean, that is, it's the solution is the gospel. It's not complicated. No. But we make things complicated. We think it's more effective if we make it more complicated. No.
0: It's <laughs> so true, isn't it? No. I love this. Well, and and as I was saying to you before we went on the air, for me, it's about showing people, I feel like people need an experience. Once people experience God, experience the Lord, something happens. And I know one of the things I often in my prayer every day, I talk about, Lord, just please let me be your ears, your eyes, your feet. Like, I want people to see the Lord, not me. Like, I want them to feel that. And and people will even say, there's something that you said, I'm thinking, that just doesn't even like, they know it's something else, right? And mm-hmm. I'll be like, that's the Lord, you know? Yeah. And there's something in here about when people can experience God through us, yeah, that is a door, right? There yeah. all of a sudden we've opened that door for that experience for them to experience Christ, right? Because right. the door opens and we can continue to walk through it. And I feel like so many times I love that you're bringing this up, like, yeah, we get in the way, like mm-hmm. our head space, yeah, oh my gosh, right. Like, that could be a whole show. How does our headspace get in the way? How yeah. do we overcomplicate it, right? Because we do.
1: Yeah. Because like we're I human. Simplicity is not simple. And, and the gospel message is simple. Yes. It really is. It is simply this. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died on the cross because he loved you to pay for your sins? And the proof he paid for all your sins is he rose from the dead. And he's asking you to trust him. Trust him to save you. Yes. And, and and he will. And not only that, he gives you a gift, eternal life. Yes. And you'll never perish. You know, and that's the beauty of it. See, and when you, when you learn, see, because here's the thing, you've got to replace your old lifestyle with something better. And if you don't show people this, like an experiment I like to do with people is I like to say, don't think of a pink elephant. Okay. So no matter what, don't think of a pink elephant. Cause if you do, you fail this experiment. If I keep saying "Don't think of a pink elephant," what are you going to do?
0: You're thinking of the pink elephant. Okay, so now I'm let's... trying to picture a blue one, but it's just the pink ones there.
1: <laughs> okay, so let's use this with a person with alcohol. Yes. Okay, they look it's ruining their family. their Their wife doesn't trust him anymore. Their kids, they love him, but they don't trust him either, and because he's lied to them so many times, or he's made promises that he's never kept, and he wants out of that lifestyle. So he tells himself. Oh, man, this is it. Man, I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm done. I'm not going to drink. That's it. I'm finished. I'm not going to drink anymore. Guess what? He's going to drink. See, he's not replaced it with something better. I love what Ephesians 4 talks about. This is what we really emphasize too. You put off the old manner of life, which is corrupt according to deceitful lives. Second, get renewed in the spirit of your mind. Again, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Start to see who you are in Christ. And then You put on the new man, which is created after God in true righteousness and holiness. And then he gives several examples. For one, he says, let a man that stole steal no more. Okay, so that's good. Stop stealing. But he doesn't stop there. Replace it with what? Let him rather labor with his hands that he may have to give to those who are in need. So instead, before he was a taker, now he's a giver. See, and he's earning an honest living. So so what I'm saying is it works, this has got, see, God, Scripture's practical. It is practical. You know?
0: It's amazing how many books we try to rewrite to really just say, let's well, write. <laughs> there, there you go. I know it's so funny. I mean, as one who's written a book before, I'm like, kind of like, yes, I just find this amusing in many ways. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about, uh, you said, we need to make sure that we're trusting in Christ. And I know one thing that is often hard for people who have experienced addiction, this word trust. yes. Because it's not just about other people not trusting them; they often don't trust themselves. There you go. How do we make that shift for them?
1: I, I think what what I like to point to it seems to connect with with folks that we've ministered to is we we look at the the fact that Christ really did come to this world. I mean, he no other person impacted the world and the culture like he did. I mean, he never had his own kingdom on earth. You know, he didn't have his own throne on earth. You know, he grew up in, in, in a town of Nazareth, you know, blue-collar town. In other words, he was just this common guy, but he was the son of God who impacted the world. He impacted our calendar. He impacted our source of government, our form of government, Western at least. He impacted literature, art. This guy from Galilee, how do you explain that? Because he wasn't just an ordinary man. And and what I like to point out is is the fact that, that he really did come to this earth. And the fact is, is they could have stopped Christianity dead in its tracks right then by producing his body. But they couldn't because there was no body. So sometimes we have to work at that point to get them to understand, you know, we're not just going on blind faith. There, there's evidence, there's history that substantiates what we believe. And then from there, I talk about, look how Jesus dealt with people in his ministry. You know, the Pharisees, the religious people, judged him. And what did he say? I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. I love Luke 15, where it starts out where the Pharisees are judging Jesus because he's eating with sinners. You know, but he said, hey, those who are well, they don't need a physician, only those who are sick, right? And, and that's what we have. We have to go to people who are in need. And and so it's getting to understand, hey, Jesus isn't here to judge. He's here to solve. He's here to give you a brand new life. And and when God says He loves us, you know, I, I share a, a, an example when my my daughter, my oldest daughter now, she's about to bring our first grandchild into the world. Oh, we're excited. So anyway, I used to when we were when she was real little, I would go up to her and, and say, I love you, and she would say, I love you more. And I'd say, I love you more than you love me. And she said, I love you the most. And I said, I love you this much. And I spread my arms like this, you know. That's how much Jesus loves us. He spread his arms and he died for us, right? Yeah. What more does he have to do to prove? I mean, Romans 5 said he manifested his love toward us while we were yet sinners. He wasn't waiting for us to clean our act up to earn his favor. While we were yet sinners, what did he do? He died for us. He made the first move. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. And what did he do? He made the first move. He gave his only begotten son. What do we do? Whosoever. That's any of us. It doesn't qualify, doesn't categorize anyone. Whosoever does what? Believes in him. What will the result be? They will not perish. That is, they won't go to hell. Instead, they will have everlasting life. I like to point out, it's not probationary life. See, see, when Christ died, he died and paid for how many sins all past present future because let's face it when he died at a point in time in history all of our sins were in the future right <laughs> That's true. so and how do we know he paid for them all first corinthians 15 says because he rose from the dead that if christ is not risen two things your faith is vain and you're still in your sin but christ did rise from the dead become the first fruits of the resurrection That's what, right? Yes. I mean, that's the power. Yes. Right? That's the power.
0: And the power for us to actually reflect on this right now. Yeah. My gosh, Pastor Jim, I feel like we could go (laughs) on and on. I mean, there's just so much that we could talk about. And I I hope you'll come back and join us again. I'd love
1: to. I'd love to.
0: Because there's so much more to talk about, including your time in Israel (laughs) and actually seeing the tomb that is empty. It's
1: awesome. Oh, my gosh. I can't
0: even wait. Pastor Jim Massarino, Yes. thank you for joining us. Bemidji Baptist Church, we know that people can go to your website and learn more about your Simple Steps Recovery Program. Yes.
1: And we, we invite
0: people to do that.
1: Yeah, we meet every Friday night. Uh, if you're in the Bemidji area, just call us earlier in the week. We'll make arrangements if you need a ride. Okay. We also have a place for a nursery if you have kids. We have a youth group that's going on, because the family needs ministering on too as well. Yes. So we have a youth group going on. So you can bring your whole family if you want or you can just bring you know your 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 little one whatever they'll be well cared for while you're getting help
0: Amen. Yeah. Thank you so much for this ministry, and thanks again for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Deb. We Appreciate want, it. Yes. Enjoyed it.
0: Oh my gosh, it's been amazing. <laughs> we want to thank you for choosing to tune in today. We want to remind you that your hope is in Jesus Christ. You can trust Amen. Jesus Christ. He will work through this with you, and your identity when you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is in Jesus Christ. Amen. This is Deb McGregor for Live Joy, Share Joy. Thank you so much for joining us. We want to thank Philip Elke for engineering today's program. We want to remind you to live joy and share joy.